0: Hey listeners, just a heads up that there will be spoilers in this episode for episodes that we have not watched yet. So if you have been watching along with us, please be aware that uh, there is some information in here that uh, may be considered spoilers for you. Uh, Also, we had some audio issues, but for the most part, they get cleared up pretty early on. uh, And then some editing fun stuff happened. But anyway, please enjoy this interview with Wes. Uh, Cue the music. Back in the 90s, everything was better and somehow worse all at once. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of Saturday morning cartoons. School by day. Homework by night, we were betrayed by the boomers we had sworn to protect. Frozen in student loan debt for a thousand years. Now on the internet, the shows of old return, and we live again. We are defenders
1: of what came before. We are Nostalgia Plus.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Plus. It's a special episode this week when we're going to do some interviews. We're going to talk to at least one incredibly interesting person. Maybe more. I don't know. We'll see if people respond to my emails in time. <laughs> uh, but we, we've we got first uh, Wes from uh, Wes's Guide to Gargoyles. Uh, a fantastic blog uh, that you could find out there. Most easily through Wes's Twitter account, which... Uh, Wes, why don't you introduce yourself and your jalapeno
1: your... to you, sir?
0: Jalapeno.
1: Uh, hi everybody. I'm Wes. Um, I uh, I just recently, at the time of recording, finished uh, writing an article on basically every episode of Gargoyles plus a few extras. And um, you could find me at Storyteller West Two. Uh, pretty much you could find a thread of all my uh, articles uh, on my pin tweet. Very, very awesome. exciting. It's,
0: it's very good reading I highly encourage everybody to go check it out oh, thank you. Um, so Wes, what you know how did you get started with the idea to chronicle every episode of gargoyles
1: well truth be told like I, I love I love writing and analyzing um, movies television what have you um, and uh, this is a project I've always wanted to just sit down and tackle i just never really had the time but you know the the time we're in right now uh the time of <laughs> covid i was uh for for a significant amount of time i was like home like just stuck in home so i figured you know what Gargles is on disney plus and i'm not really doing much of anything else why don't i finally sit down and give this a try and so it, it basically just started as a way to like keep myself keep my head straight during during like uh during like be, during the stuck at home time, and I just like started reexperiencing the show. I'm like, wow, this is better than like I remember it. And I've rewatched this show several times throughout my life too.
0: Before Disney Plus, like, what do you own all the DVDs? How, how I own are you watching all basically? the
1: DVDs? Uh, my season one DVD is actually signed by Marina Certis, John Reese Davies, and Bill Fagerbakke.
0: So you're a super fan.
1: I I am a super fan.
0: Uh, <laughs> Have you ever been to to the conventions when they existed?
1: Uh, no. I um. Well, like I said, I met some of the actors at conventions, but I can't say I've ever been to a Gargoyle specific convention.
0: Yeah, there weren't a lot of them. I know they, they did I, exist, but yeah, I'd love were.
1: to start one up one of these days if I actually knew anything about like running a con.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. we gotta cons have to come back first,
1: I know <laughs> like I actually had stopped going to cons for a while, but now that I know like they're not happening, I miss them
0: yeah i I'm with you there, yeah gen con you know had started to become like i mean I've been to Gen con, which is the 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 big gaming convention in Indianapolis, uh you know, probably going on like twenty years, and uh the last couple of years I didn't go, and um just wasn't really feeling it and then this year I couldn't go yeah. and now I'm like oh, I really wish I had gone <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah like
1: the big con in my area is uh, Kineticon and actually it's right around the time where it would have been and um like I I didn't go last year because I just said screw screw it I don't screw it I don't have the money
0: yeah well yeah. so hmm so, you know, Gargoyle, well, so did you but you grew up watching the show, yeah?
1: Yeah, I, like when I was growing up, it was one of the shows that was on TV. I I can't really say I watched it in order until I rediscovered it in college, but when I was a kid, I did like catch a few rerun, catch a few episodes of the show here and there, and I remember really loving it, it like enough to where it stuck with me until I rediscovered it.
0: Yeah. For, for the, the kids out there, which is the rest of the cast of my show, um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, that don't remember the dark ages of when, uh, you had to actually be in front of your television when the show was on to really catch it. I, uh, I
1: tell you, man, streaming services have spoiled us all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't miss the days of having to set up a video recorder and then, you know, crossing your fingers that you did the AMPM correctly, uh, all that all that kind of stuff i don't mean yeah. H- having to be being able to just go to disney plus and watch it anytime i want and hopefully forever is a is pretty great
1: like like even like up until like 10 years ago we still had to like record stuff like that's how me and my dad watched smallville
0: wow yeah right yeah even dvrs were still kind of like tied to you know when shows came out you still sort of had to at least wait for them to air before you could watch them
1: Yeah. So
0: you've got uh your top 10 uh out. It's an interesting list. Uh yes,
1: uh, it was um it was a tough one to narrow down as you as I'm sure you can imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, how we're going to tackle the end of season 2. Uh I I'm going to think I'm going to try to get everybody to at least come up with a favorite episode. I don't know, there's a lot of uh hard feelings right now. We're in the midst of the uh the world tour. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh boy.
0: Yeah. Uh, People are, some some of the folks are not having fun on the show right now.
1: I do have a personal top five worst, which I did not put put down because I wanted to end things on a high note, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you, like, I think three out of those five are from the World Tour arc.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's some rough episodes in
1: there. Like, I overall enjoyed the World Tour arc, but... It's got it's got some rough ones in there. Like I could tell you, my least favorite episode, at least going into all this, was a uh, heritage,
0: the the Native American episode, right?
1: The the, the the one with like the the guy who says, "Oh, get some new beliefs."
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the show. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the show is but I think pretty progressive for its time, but which was a not very very progressive time. Um, for those people that don't remember the nineties, they were very, we were swinging back conservative in those days as a response to, uh, somewhat liberal president. Yeah.
1: The thing that really threw me with, uh, how ahead of its time it was, was, uh, when I got, when I did my article on uh, deadly force and we find out that Elisa is, uh, not only like a minority, but like all but mixed raced and part at Native American. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually thought about that and I looked it up. That was like several months before Disney released Pocahontas. Wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's like wow. That's that was like the moment I said, Wow, this show really was ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, you could tell, you know, that that kind of. Is uh the creators of gargoyles a lot more than it is anybody at Disney, right? Yeah. You know, those guys, you know, were trying to do something more and make be a better show. Something great. Yeah. In a world yeah. where, you know, they're competing at Disney with the like the likes of uh, you know, ducktails and uh tailspin and those kinds of like very child centric talking animal uh, kind of stuff. Don't shows. forget
1: Darkwing Duck.
0: Yeah, Darkwing Duck.
1: No way! Puts Starkwing duck in the corner. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, the, yeah. So this show was very different. Deadly Force, you know, is a is a pretty interesting pick all on its own because you know it didn't air originally, and I, I think like the first time it was shown or you were able to watch it pretty broadly was in the first DVD release. So yeah, yeah. And, I I think you know this rewatch. I'm sure I've seen it before, but I did not remember it. I didn't remember the details of that episode.
1: And uh, for sure. It really... Weirdly enough, though, it makes no sense that that episode didn't air in first run. Because if you look at the episode immediately after it, like, you're just going to be wondering, like, why Elise is on crushes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure I did.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like... Like... And that's one of the things I, uh, that I really liked about the show. Like, actions had consequences. Like, there was no like, status quo, per se, or at least, like, that status quo was shaken up several times throughout.
0: Yeah, that that was really the, and, and, like, one of the mind-blowing parts of the show as a kid was that you know, we were so used to shows that hit the reset button at the end of each episode, and you know, Gargoyles was the first sort of long-form narrative show where you know, as a kid, you were watching something that you really couldn't miss an episode, but the buildup to certain things was, was so good. You know, it just really, you, I, you know, I wish it had more of an impact on, you know, Saturday morning TV than it did.
1: Oh, preaching in the choir there, brother. Yeah. Like, but like takes even something like city of stone, like arguably the first major like event in the show after awakening, like they plant seeds of that as early on as episode three. Mm-hmm. like that's insane to me like like there are some shows now that don't even don't even do that
0: yeah I mean you think about some of the you know high profile shows that have you know adult you know long form narrative shows that have really failed to pay off the things they they start uh, and yeah. you know gargoyles was out there like planting seeds and growing trees and like here are the fruits of our labors, well, you know, right and, from the and beginning
1: so many shows out there that do stuff like that, that your last airbenders, your, your Steven universes, your gravity falls. Like I would, I don't know if like, it's a direct, but I would argue they owe a lot to Gargoyles.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those, those creators almost assuredly grew up with the show.
1: Yeah. Oh, they must have like, You know, it was funny around like I mentioned Steven Universe around this time last year was like when I first watched that show Mm -hmm. and it came very dangerously close to like replacing Gargoyles as my favorite show. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, the reasons I love this show are the same reasons I love Gargoyles.
0: So, all right, Wes, so let's uh, if you don't mind, let's go through your top 10. Oh, of course. All right. So you started out with uh, MIA, uh, yes. which is uh, one of the first episodes where it seemed like they were trying to, you know, create some spin-off material. This mm-hmm. has the the English gargoyles. You want to talk oh, about what what really drew you to that one?
1: Um, you know, I was not originally planning to put MIA on my top 10. Whenever I one makes a top 10, I always find the number 10 is the hardest Mm. it's like there's so many like you saw i had a list of honorable mentions there any mm. one of them could have been plugged into this spot uh i was joking with my friend that what pushed it over it was a griff spiker jacket <laughs> uh I, I, but what what i really like about this specific episode is like the many ways that the london clan and the manhattan clan kind of parallel each other i thought that was kind of cool like that conversation between Griff and Leo and Una where they're, where Leo and Una are saying, Oh, we got to we got us, we got to stay back and we defend the shop. And Griff is like, no, we have to go out and fight the Nazis. That sounded to me like season one Goliath, like having an argument with season two Goliath. And I thought that was very clever. Mm-hmm. Plus you have Goliath fighting Nazis. That's just amazing.
0: Yeah. And they actually call them Nazis, you know, obviously they don't, put the swastikas up everywhere, which I feel like is appropriate, but yeah. That
1: would have been a little much in the 90s.
0: Yeah, at least they didn't, you know, just call them the baddies or something like that.
1: (laughs) Or 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 could have called them the Jerrys. Like, that's one of the things I love about Griff. He talks like one of those old, like, RAF pilots. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Griff is just such a cool character. I'm glad they brought him back for that King Arthur episode.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah it's um yeah it's one of the times where you you know you kind of wonder like what could have been when uh you know the creators of gargoyles are out there and people are writing articles about you know how gargoyles might have been the center of a a Disney cinematic universe kind of thing.
1: It could have uh, been
0: yeah yeah I mean I, I I really like the as much as we talked about the odd design of uh una the the unicorn gargoyle. Um, you know, the taking chances like that with just like crazy character designs and and uh cool voices and stuff, I thought was yeah. like really, really interesting and really is what made season two like pretty great. Yeah, they all never, yeah, go ahead.
1: I'll say this for the world tour arc it was very creative, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, as much as the stories sometimes didn't work, just visually interesting and you know, and and you know, for a kid audience. Uh, you know, that was what kept me coming back was what, what yeah. crazy, and crazy thing were we going to see next
1: MIA. I also specifically remember watching that one as a kid and just sat thinking like, I didn't really quite grasp what was going on at the time. Cause like, I didn't know too much about like, I wasn't educated on world war two at like six years old, but like, I was still thinking, wow, this is pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm going to skip around your top ten and just talk about the ones that I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> oh, that that's fine. That's fine.
0: Because I think you've got some really interesting picks um, here. You've got, uh, just to, to go through the list, you've got Kingdom, which is a uh, uh, Brooklyn centered episode where he's working with the Mutates. Uh, you've got Vows, which is the time travel episode which uh, starts Gargoyle's love of time travel. I don't know how do you feel like time travel worked out by the end of the show?
1: Um, my, I think the only time I really got pissed off at the time travel was uh, was in Avalon with the Archmage. Because, um, like, when you really think about it, like, none of that made any sense. But <laughs> in this one, I actually kind of loved it because I should probably mention. Xanatos may very well be my favorite character in all of fiction. Just because he is just such a boss at everything. And this is, like, Xanatos' biggest, like, win moment. Where, like, Mm -hmm. he basically made the space-time continuum his bitch. And (laughs) became a billionaire in the process. Immediately after marrying... A hot, red-headed, supermodel, like, mercenary.
0: Yeah, and brought his dad back in time just to rub his face in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Like, that alone, like, warrants the episode on the top ten. But the fact that it actually gave us some great character development for Goliath and Demona, like, gave us, like, some hints as to what was coming with, like, the Archmage. Like, it, it it's just such a great episode with so much going on. Yeah. Uh,
0: so next up uh, in number seven, you've got The Edge, which is one of two, I think, season one episodes in your list. That's correct. Um, so what was it? I, I'll, I'll be honest. The Edge is very, you know, it's kind of the opposite of Vows. There is, It is almost all robot on gargoyle fighting. You know, there's not a lot of story there. So, you know, oh. what was it about The Edge that that put it in oh. number seven?
1: Before I go into that, I actually do want to give a give a shout-out, if you don't mind. Um, sure. this is actually the favorite episode of a good friend of mine, uh, L.C. Champlin, uh, who wrote some articles that I actually used as a reference. And uh, over the course of this project, we became good friends. So, I, like, we always would discuss the episodes after they were posted. It was a great time. So, And this is her favorite episode. But what I like is... It was very rare, especially at the time, for a kid's show to have an episode that's essentially focused on the villain, like, having Mm self-doubt. Like, that that sparring scene at the very beginning where Xanatos is sparring with Owen just tells you so much about the character in such a very short amount of time. Like, it tells you that, like, he, like, when he says, if you, I, I could always let you win, sir. If you did i'd fire you it's like that tells you he's not the sort of guy who likes to take shortcuts and there's so much more i i, I had it all written down I, i'd have to like pull up my block sorry but like there's just and also the it also introduces like a few constants to the show it introduces matt bluestone and introduces that battle armor that fight on the statue of liberty is cool as hell one yeah. thing i actually liked is that broadway of all people actually manages to take down the bulk of the robots <laughs> yeah it's a it's a good one I, I like that it's really just all about Xanatos like regaining his confidence after he got beat by Goliath
0: yeah this is after he comes back from jail right after yeah that,
1: this him. was the first episode after Xanatos got released from jail and so like Xanatos like does not strike me as the kind of guy who like he likes a challenge but he also doesn't like to lose
0: mm-hmm so number six is deadly force, which we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, this is the guns are bad episode, uh, but I, I just want to take a minute to talk about how crazy that episode is, right? Like, it kind
1: of is.
0: Broadway shoots <laughs> shoots her in the back. He shoots Lisa in the back. Um, she is like, she dies. Pro- probably you know they they imply that she she dies and is resuscitated well, as she part of that
1: that. at least once in that episode yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, you know i i don't remember a lot of like gun episodes in uh, you know other television that was going on at the time but there were certainly a lot of uh you know if it wasn't guns it was drugs I- i'm still sort of surprised there's not a some kind of heroin episode of gargoyles or something but um yeah. You know, in this one, um, you know, in a lot of the TV at the time, if they had if they had done an episode like this, it would have implied that something awful could have happened. You know, you would have close calls, and kids would learn their lesson from from that. In this one, I mean, Broadway murders his friend on accident. He accidentally kills Elisa, and Pretty much yeah, then, and then goes on a a revenge. Spree, and you know this is like the depth of the show, which is that he was on a revenge spree against guys who are then blamed for Elise's death, and Broadway has to come to terms with the idea that like I can't let these guys take the fall for me, and I have to like you know come come out and say. So you know it's operating on a bunch of levels, and and not just the you know hey kids guns are bad, and eventually you know the show has to deal with the idea that like, well, guns are part of Elisa's life, right? Like, yeah, guns well, are going to be around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What I like here is like you say it's the guns are bad episode, but in a weird way, it kind of isn't because it never really says guns are good or bad. It it more just says guns are tools, very powerful, very dangerous tools. And like whatever side of the issue you're on like that's that's a constant like i've never mm-hmm. used a gun but i know plenty of people who are like hunters or whatever and um like you know that's that's just something you always you always got to if you are the sort of person who uses a gun it like safety should be your first priority and you know it it and broadway obviously being like For all intents and purposes, a kid in this timeline, like, just, he's a gun, he has no idea what's going on, and, like, so, he starts, like, just playing around after he came from a cowboy movie. Meanwhile, it also makes a point to show that Elisa, like, left her gun out in the open. Now, a lot of people, like, have come down on that as, like, of course, she lives alone, but still, like, you never know who's gonna, like, come into your apartment. You should probably secure your weapon. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a really, and, and I, you know.
1: Like, what I liked is it doesn't treat it like a black and white issue. Right. Right. Which I think was very, was very smart. And it also showed, said, like, I think the creators knew this was a show that was going to have violence. And so they said, so, like, instead of toning down the violence, they, they, like, showed, yes. The show will have violence and that violence will have consequences, real consequences.
0: All right. So the next one, another, I think really good uh, episode. I definitely agree with should be in the top 10, uh, the price, uh, which is a um, Hudson episode for the most part. Uh, Cause I think the, you know, the the rest of the Gargoyle clan is kind of like, you could almost take that part of the, sh- the episode out. and it it might be interesting
1: like honestly the the whole plot with like the robot the obvious robot Macbeth was kind of lame honestly but like the stuff with Xanatos and uh, Hudson is so good that it gets on the list anyway
0: yeah it's yeah that sort of tete-a-tete between the sort of wisest oldest creature that Xanatos might know uh, and you know Xanatos who is this occasionally, you know, mustache twirling villain. Um, but but someone who, you know, at least uh seems to operate in an intelligent way, you know, is it has to try to it, it you know, he doesn't he doesn't owe Hudson a conversation, right? I mean Hudson no. is at his mercy through almost the entire episode. But he almost you know seems to want to convince, and I think that's true for most of the show, that he really kind of wants to convince the Gargoyles that, like, what he's up to is actually, if not good for everyone, at least good for for him, and they should at least understand that, like, you know, he's just doing what is in, the be- in his own best interest. Like, and, I don't
1: think I'm breaking any new ground here when I say that, like, Xanatos is not evil. Like, sometimes he does bad things, but he is not an evil man. He's does bad things, he's Opportunistic. I think the best word to describe him would be ambitious. And um, I actually, in, in my actual article, I went into this whole spiel about how, um, like, he is, he, like, how he probably, like, and this is all speculation, mind you, how, how he probably would not use immortality the way, like, Demona or Macbeth did. And, um,
0: like, to just get rich,
1: it seems like. You no, know. no. <laughs> He doesn't need like. What does yeah, that need he's to? already rich. But... He, he's already like the richest guy in the world. <laughs> what does he need that that for? You know, and like he, he's more like, like I said, uh, like something I've that became very clear to me about Xanatos over the course of these sixty-five episodes. Xanatos likes a challenge, and I feel like, and to him, like conquering death is the ultimate challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's obviously, you know, we, it, it takes a lot of episodes between the price and the gathering where we actually sort of like find out what Santa Seuss has been up to this whole time, uh, to know that like, you know, there, there was something beyond his own personal interest driving him, uh, yes. somewhat. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's a great episode. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the payoff also of Owen, you know, sticking his own hand into there, that we get more of that relationship between Owen and Xanatos, and then ultimately finding Ooh. out who Owen is, you yeah. know, makes this episode kind of even and more crazy. Well, so
1: that actually opens a very interesting plot hole to me. Um, so after Hudson leaves, like Xanatos says, hey, Owen, why don't you try out, why don't you test it? But we later learned that Owen is Puck. Spoilers. And, um, but, and if Puck is already presumably immortal, how would they have known if it worked?
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question.
1: <laughs> that's like, I, I love this episode, but it, there are a lot of things in it that like, do kind of make you scratch your head.
0: Yeah, and certainly like Puck, when he shows back up, does not have a stone hand. You know, it's almost like the persona of Owen is actually a different person.
1: That's, than- that's my theory, too. Yeah, like Puck is always in the driver's seat, but Owen isn't just like a disguise. He actually does have a mind of his own.
0: Yeah, kind of like a a Thor kind of situation where you know, uh, Ego is like another yeah, comic book Thor because it's It's occasionally a literal other person that he. uh,
1: Another example I could I could cite is like, did you ever see? Did you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Sure. Uh, Remember, uh, Glory had that like. Oh yeah. Brother persona. Right. I figure it's like something like that.
0: Yeah. Could be. Again, just all the more reason to like
1: Price. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a reason I, I did a whole article on just speculations about Puck. Uh,
0: episode four is uh, Future Tense.
1: Um, <laughs> Speaking of and, Puck.
0: Yeah. Why don't you talk about that one?
1: Oh boy. This episode is a trip and a half. Um, Now, this is an episode I very vividly remember watching as a kid. Um, Actually, it's one of the episodes that stuck with me the most from that time when I was watching. And something I very specifically remember is I didn't actually see the the very beginning of this episode. I just came into the part where Brooklyn shows up and just starts beating the hell out of Goliath. (laughs) So I'm like... And then I'm like, the episode just starts throwing like stuff after like crazy thing after crazy thing at me. It was like, we got Xanatos's head on like a spike drill and then suddenly Lexington's the bad guy. And then I'm like, oh wait, it's Puck. But, and I'm like, like even then and even more so now, I feel out of breath after I watched that episode. It's a, It's a ride, man.
0: Yeah, we haven't gotten to this one on our show yet. We're we're pretty close, I think. In, in oh, I cannot
1: of... wait to see what the the uh, the kids who haven't actually seen Dark <laughs> Souls yet take a make of this one.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to show them like the, the future tense and then uh, you know the gathering where season two really just kind of comes it's, to like, fruition. And...
1: real like really the. the uh... You start at Ill Met by Moonlight, like it does not let up up off the gas, like until like you're done with the gathering. Yeah. And future tense, there's just so much cool stuff in that episode. I actually would really love to know how Lexington like fell to the dark side.
0: <laughs>
1: um like I actually nicknamed that version of Lexington uh Lexington Luthor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and one thing I do want to point out is another thing I pointed out in the article: the episode drops hints as to what's really going on. Like, if you if you're like paying attention, you could figure out that Puck's behind it. Mm-hmm. Like, when's that? Zan- when uh, quote unquote, Xanatos says, "Oh, Puck's spell of transformation works even in cyberspace." I'm thinking, does it? <laughs> like, like Xan, like Puck, just seems like guy who's just arrogant enough to pat himself on the back yeah yeah right but yeah, no that mean, uh, episode is a blast man
0: yeah i think the like there are very few episodes of gargoyles where things happen and you're like where did this come from it's a the, more often than not it is you're like oh my god you know you start thinking about everything you've watched that yeah. you know hinted or, or just and and within each episode, you know, there there were only a few episodes of like where there was really like a mystery of, of what was going on, but yeah, it did a really good job, yeah.
1: I will say, Sanatos ruling the world, not <laughs> not nearly as cool as I thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, City of Stone is next. Um. We're, we're at position three here. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I, I counted all of that as one because yeah, is really I mean cool it's story. yeah. It,
0: yeah none of those episodes really stand on their own in any sense um yeah. I think like this series of episodes is where I really fell in love with the show um because it's
1: for most people fell in love with it,
0: yeah, I mean, it's just a story that um I mean, there was just nothing like it on t v at the time yeah.
1: and think about it like they they have four episodes to basically give you the origin of two of the bad guys,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the uh, there's a, like a you know the obvious side plot, but that's way less interesting than than what's going on with like, Demona. you.
1: Want, like, you'd still want to learn like about like what's going on with Macbeth and Demona, especially because this has been built up for so long. You're know, like, because mm-hmm. at this point we know that Demona is you know been alive all this time, and we're reasonably certain that Macbeth has too, and we want to know their connection. Like again, they planted seeds of this very early on and this is, and like they finally give us the payoff and it doesn't disappoint, but it still leaves us with more questions like a good show should.
0: Yeah. And it's actually this, this episode that takes us all the way to the season finale of season two, you know, whereas, you know, the majority of season two builds up to the gathering. It's the show building up to uh, the, the actual season finale of season
1: two. And um not to mention um this show also like really shows us just how messed up Damona really is.
0: Yeah, I mean we talked about that in our episode that covered it. Um yeah, yeah I mean she is <laughs> She's At a, times pitiable, sometimes relatable, but... And way, after this episode, you know, there's just really no going back for her.
1: Way I, the way I I, I described is she's sympathetic, but she is not redeemable.
0: That Yeah, that's great.
1: Especially yeah. after this episode, where she is literally just slaughtering people in the street and laughing while she does it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we find out that, you know, she abandoned her own people, that her her thirst for power, you know, right. has constantly led to the Gargoyles getting screwed. She brought it
1: all on herself.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and on everyone around her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, like her, her obsession with vengeance, like literally ruined her life and the lives of like, pretty much everyone she came in contact with. Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, It, And um, yeah, and it just like I said, this is just such so much good stuff in this episode. I I love seeing uh, Goliath and Sanato's kind of like working together and how that kind of goes down, right? Um, and yeah, just all good episode.
0: Yeah. So uh, second to last here, the preeminent episode is Eye of the Beholder." Hell Uh, yeah. a really good episode, yeah. I mean, um you, you can for kind of leave the MacGuffin out of it, but the the just the relationship between Xanatos and Fox in this episode is what really I think gets me, which is that Fox is still with him even after very obviously he gambled with her life in some way or in a
1: way. Yeah. Truth be told. Like, and, th- and again, I mean, I, unless I actually asked the writer specifically, I'll never know. But, like, I actually honestly believe he didn't He didn't know that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He may have thought, like, yeah, this thing might have some magical power. And he did take a risk by giving it to her. But he didn't know, like, that the whole werewolf thing was going to happen. I just, I ge- like, I've listened to people say, oh, no, he doesn't really love Fox. I genuinely believe he loves Fox. Like, and that, that's like the whole point of this episode. It's like exposing that under all his bravado, all his schemes, all his like, you know, for lack of a better term, cartoon villainy, there is a human being under all that. You
0: know? Yeah. Just, I mean, they, you can almost see him as more alien character. You know, he and Fox both because they, they even mentioned it in this episode that they, they don't experience love the same way everyone else does, which is a crazy right. thing to say on a kid's show. <laughs>
1: But in a weird way, it makes a very it makes a certain kind of sense for those characters Mm -hmm. because they are very because like let's be honest, they are very odd people. Yeah, like they are very strange people. Like these are these these are like this is the very next episode. They travel. They have their honeymoon in medieval Scotland, and they fight off like mercenaries. Yeah, (laughs) and like in another episode. Like, they pit, like, a group of mercenaries against a group of gargoyles, and it's basically just family game night. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, these two were made for each other. <laughs> and, yeah,
0: I mean, and then speaking of that, you know, this is also where I think we get the first real clear idea that Goliath and Elisa are going to be a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they hinted at it in the mirror, but, like, this is... This is where we get the Beauty and the Beast moment, which. Right. Uh, I have a couple of things to say about that. One, um, a long time ago, I actually, when I first got my hands on the DVDs, I showed a friend of mine this episode specifically. And she's like, and I just laughed at what she said. It's like, man, Disney's going to sue these people. <laughs> <laughs> and then I showed her the Disney logo on the DVD. She like had this shocked look on her face. But and I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say another thing. Uh, I'm probably gonna alienate myself from most of the audience, but I am not a big fan of Beauty and the Beast. I've just never. Really, it's just not one of those Disney movies that's never really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. So this specific moment in Gargoyles actually had more of an emotional impact for me than the scene it's homaging. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's something to remember also that like, um, you know, this episode is coming out in, and and the whole series of Gargoyles is coming out in the sort of Disney revival period, right? They've just come out of a, like a decade and a half of really terrible movies and TV shows Mm -hmm and starting with the little mermaid continuing with beauty and the beast and then on it through the 90s uh you know disney is just releasing some top-notch stuff stuff oh, yeah. like blowing the, the box off sauce, away. yeah and, and yeah and, and the love of these shows continue on uh today where you know you can go to well you could you used to be able to go to disney world <laughs> and have like you know a princess adventure as bell and you know I wish they would include Elisa and have people dress up in red jackets
1: and blue jeans. <laughs> that would be so cool. That no, really? <laughs> what, I, what, what I'd really like to see is people dressing up as Fox. And just like going through like the pack obstacle course. <laughs> but yeah, and this episode also has probably my favorite, ex- actually, two of my favorite exchanges between uh, Goliath and Xanthos. One being where Goliath finally calls Xanatos on his crap, where he's like, I don't suppose you had a plan D. (laughs) And then my other, where he's like, so now you know my weakness. Only you would regard love as a weakness. That's my Keith David.
0: (laughs) I love Keith David.
1: I love Keith David. Actually, I may as well say this now. The next thing I plan on covering is the spawn animated series because I miss, I'm going to miss Keith David too much. (laughs) I've had those DVDs on my shelf for like three years. I never got around to watching it. So why not?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we've come to the last one, which is maybe the most interesting (laughs) pick on the list. um, I don't I, I think when we get to the end of season two, I don't think anyone in our cast is gonna pick Double Jeopardy as their favorite episode. Um, but why don't you talk about why it's yours?
1: Well, a number of reasons. Um, the main one of be when main one being I love Fayvog. Failog is just such a cool character to me, a cool concept for a character. Because Like, he's not just a clone of Goliath. He's a clone of Goliath with the intelligence of Xanatos. And the reason I think that's so cool kind of ties into why I love the Goliath-Xanatos dynamic so much. Mm -hmm. Because it's a case of, like, they're both, like, smart and strong, but one is, like, significantly stronger, one is significantly smarter, and they cancel each other out in that regard. Like, Goliath can't compete with Sanatos' like Machiavellian genius and obviously Sanatos can't fight a gargoyle without like a robot suit but imagine someone who has like both the strength and the smarts of both but then also like the complete amorality of a guy like Severius and we have something like really we have like that's the recipe for a really great villain if you ask me um, mm-hmm. I, I wish they all got more episodes Supposedly, in the comics, he becomes, like, a much bigger part of the story. Uh, And more to it than that, uh, I love how the first half of the episode really does a good job of building up the mystery. Um, You just see this silhouette of this Goliath-like creature, and you're just like, what the hell? And you see, like, oh, Severus is involved, you think he's trying to screw over Xanatos, and... I love how Xanatos like doesn't even hesitate when it comes to like, oh well, guess we gotta kill Severus. <laughs> it's like it's like, yeah, he when he finds out Thalog's behind it, he's actually sort of like, oh hey, get to chip off the old block, but Severius, nope, we're gonna kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I my theory is that like Xanatos can barely tolerate Severus but he keeps him around because he knows anyone else you like anyone who gave him like less restrictions like that would be extremely dangerous yeah and plus <laughs> it's Tim Curry you right, can never uh, yeah. go wrong with Tim Curry
0: yeah i mean Severus is such an odd villain in the show because he his personality seems to swing from actual supervillain to henchman to you know he in this episode you know he comes across as like Just sort of stuck in the middle without any sort of, you know, motivation of his own.
1: I feel like if he didn't, I feel like he's a guy who could easily strike out and be like a, be like a great supervillain, but he also knows better than across Xanatos, because like, he he knows that Xanatos can, and in this episode almost did, just completely end him. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Severus is the kind of supervillain that needs financial support, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> And, and
0: like, is the bank, is the evil bank.
1: So, yeah, you know, and you can't remember piss off the evil bank. I assume you, you've, you've the second he's working for someone else, like when he's working for Demona in Hunter's Moon, he creates a virus. Use this guy. Something very bad is going to happen. Yeah, it's, there's a lot but, of weird
0: just, uh, parts in. The wrap-up of the show where Xanatos is like, oh, actually, he was the check on a lot of worse things.
1: (laughs) In a weird way, he gets to be the big damn hero at the end. Yeah. But getting back to uh, Double Jeopardy, like I said, I just love the idea that, like, introducing Thalog, like, just throws, or at least should have thrown, like, this massive wrench into, like, the works of the show. Because... Like we basically have a being that could rule the world without, with like very little, like, uh, like uh, obstacles, if it really wanted to. And that to me is fascinating. I love this, like, taking the taking like the strengths of like the two principal characters of the show and combining them into one. And going back to Keith David, like I think he did some of his best performances in the show as Thalog. Mm-hmm. Like if you listen closely, like like his his voice, Thalog's voice is like slightly distinct from Goliath, but you have to really listen for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he's so much more like energetic. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, he's he he basically it's like it's basically like Keith David reading like the Jonathan Frakes' Xanatos lines, <laughs> which is so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I yeah, mean, I, no. I have to agree with you that I, I really like the the idea of a Goliath, but with you know a Goliath essentially trained by Xanatos, right? Educated by yeah. Xanatos is a really yeah. interesting concept, and one and, I, I I think I agree with you that should have been in the show more.
1: And and really, like Goliath, like Thelog rather should have won in that episode. The like. The only flaw I see with Double Jeopardy is, like, how they win basically because Elisa manages to slip her cuffs. Yeah, right. And, like, yeah, that's a that whole... I love Sanatosus's line. It's like, I love a woman with delicate wrists. (laughs) It's a stupid line, but it kind of makes me laugh. But, um... Yeah, so, like, Thalog... And and uh, I don't know if you know this. The the reckoning, the episode where Thalog shows up and he's got like all those clones. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be the final episode. Oh really? Yeah, that um that was originally like the planned finale of the show. So like Thalog was almost the final boss <laughs> instead of like three three schmucks in a uh, in bad Rob Liefeld costumes. Yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's why I love double jeopardy. Like, and I, I mean, I get that like the rest of your gang is probably not going to pick that one, but I say at the top of the article, like this, this is very much my opinion. And that episode just like stuck with me just a little bit more than the others.
0: So that's your top 10. Um, let's, I want to take a couple of minutes to just talk about season three. Uh, you decided not to cover it in your blog. Have you yeah, have you watched
1: uh, it? At least I've watched a little bit of season three. Um like I mean it's bad. It's super bad. It's not good. Uh, I'm not like completely ruling out ruling it out doing it in the future, but I'm not like I don't have any immediate plans to do it. But um, but to me, like just reading the episode descriptions on Disney Plus, it all just reads like the parodies of bad Disney sequels.
0: Yeah. I mean there's literally a court drama I think where Goliath goes to court.
1: There's one of there's there's one where Hudson or, or rather Hudson needs glasses, uh Broadway becomes a celebrity chef. Um, yeah. like, supposedly there are a couple of good moments um like one example is uh there's an episode where Hudson's blind friend uh Robbins finds out that he's a gargoyle and is cool with it. I thought that's kind of kind of interesting. Like Season 3 has like interesting concepts in it but like given what I know it's probably very poorly executed and likely done much better in the comics.
0: Yeah. And and you know, you know, you it's a change of creative team and uh different writers and it's very easy to tell.
1: Yeah. Like according to Greg Weisman, Season 3 isn't even considered canon.
0: Yeah, there's lots of people that, you know, don't don't consider those episodes to be the same show. I mean, it gets a different yeah. name.
1: I mean, yeah, they give it a name, The Goliath Chronicles, which, whatever that's supposed to need.
0: <laughs> season three. <Ugh.
1: laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my response to season three. is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, probably a few hidden gems, and I'd be very much open to, like, giving season three its day in court, as it were. But that's, like... Not a project I'm in any rush to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you, you guys, because I know you plan on covering season three.
0: I really don't know what we're gonna do. I I uh, I haven't watched them yet, but I did look through oh, the You're
1: uh, gonna drink is what you're gonna do.
0: Yeah. I mean I was thinking about maybe putting all of them in a single episode. <laughs> uh I don't know <laughs> if that's worse. <laughs>
1: You monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll be better to get it out of the way or, or drag it out <laughs> to like three episodes. Yeah.
1: What what you could do is I don't know if you noticed this in my boss, I invented the gargoyles drinking game. No. So you could probably play that and maybe like after enough shots it'll, it'll season three will actually be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that might be a I don't know if there's enough alcohol in the world for
1: that. There probably
0: isn't. <laughs> All right, Wes. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you. And um, oh, pleasure, man. I've I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. Uh, Same here. Uh, it's one of the things on my show that I, I wish I had been able to find, which was to to put someone else on the show that had seen it before and enjoyed it. Huh? Um, so it was a nice a nice uh, respite to talk to to you.
1: <laughs> Love to come back anytime you'll have me, man. This was a, this was a lot of fun.
0: Um, why don't you, uh, let us know again where people can find your stuff and, uh, all right. We also, you want to plug, go for it.
1: Um, you could find my personal Twitter, which is where I keep all my gargoyle stuff at storyteller West on Twitter. My blog is called Wes's blogs and reviews. It, there's a direct link to it on my Twitter. Uh, something I would like to promote is, uh, something else I do on Twitter called, uh, Fiction Fight Forever Wrestling, which is where I have fictional characters. People vote on, like, who would win a fight between fictional characters, and there's, like, a champion and storylines and stuff. Just something I do for fun. And actually, like, too, if you know wrestling, I actually have Xanatos there as sort of the Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff type. <laughs> that's so that's, that's, something I, that's something I like to promote. But, yeah, other than that... um that's uh that's pretty much it this has been a blast man i i I can't thank you enough for having me
0: well we'll definitely try to have you again maybe we'll have you back for after we watch season three and we'll get maybe get your take on season three more more specifically um
1: if you ever ever do muppet treasure island happy have me back i think (laughs) right now
0: we're we are planning on doing muppet christmas carol Um, yeah yeah i'll have to look up treasure island i mean i and so I mean the show's going to continue after Gargoyles.
1: Yeah, I figured. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm not sure what all all, what scared. all we're going to do.
0: I, I mean we we're going to get through all the well-known Disney stuff that we want to watch pretty quickly I think and then we're going to start diving into the maybe that year that decade of crap that we talked about. <laughs> There's a lot yes. of uh stuff from like 75 onwards that uh is, is like is Peach Dragon. You very similar to Peach I mean Peach Dragon is definitely I think the start of that because uh, it was like right after the the
1: rescuers
0: i think was kind of the
1: last i i could just tell big I animated to movie. that episode i could just tell no one was having fun
0: oh man that movie is it's just, it's, it's really bad yeah i, I mean, mean it's it, it's fun like i vaguely have positive memories of it as a kid but oh man there's so many songs and it just doesn't make a lot of sense yeah
1: yeah The reason I said Treasure Island and not Christmas Carol is because Treasure Island has what I like to consider peak Tim Curry. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. Not not uh, not the devil guy from Legend. That's not peak Tim Curry. No, that's Tim
1: Curry at his best. But Long John Silver is Tim Curry at his most Tim Curry.
0: All right, Wes. Well, thanks for being on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Anytime, man. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to uh, your your uh, journey through the world tour. <laughs>